1: hey everyone welcome to episode 227 of the all dolphins podcast you can see by the gentleman on the right of the screen that omar and i today are joined by luke easterling but luke's going to wait for a second we're going to make it very quick uh because we're going to do our quick history lesson which we skipped yesterday and our current format is to talk about a player who was drafted in the slot that corresponds to the episode number and in this case or the last two digits in this case it's 27 and we cannot let this episode go by without mentioning it because the 27th overall pick in the 1983 NFL draft was Dan Marino Uh, and this is where I point out again if you have not seen it there's a 30 for 30 called from Elway to Marino which is absolutely fascinating and it touches upon all the machinations and all the behind the scenes drama involving Elway and his refusal to play for the Baltimore Colts six quarterbacks drafted in the first round and I was thinking about them last night, and it just dawned on me that every single team in the AFC East at the time, yes, there were five at one time, took one of those quarterbacks in the first round. Dolphins, Marino, Bills, Jim Kelly, Baltimore Colts, John Elway, never played for them, but they drafted him, Patriots, Tony Eason, and the New York Jets, Ken O'Brien. And the, six, sorry, and the sixth one who was drafted in the first round was Todd Blackledge I knew of, it. CBS, of CBS analyst fame. Who was drafted by the kansas city chiefs and i guess we can say that that draft pick worked out pretty well for the dolphins which brings us to our good friend luke over here lucas sterling is a draft analyst who's been doing this for a long time we, as you can see from uh, the title below his twitter handle he is with athlon sports he does stuff for fan nation he does stuff for sports illustrated and 38 other outlets, I imagine. <laughs> Luke, thanks for joining us. My um, pleasure,
2: man. My pleasure. Speaking about
1: why is there a lag? Oh, we have a delay here. This yeah, is gonna, gonna be say, that's real slow. Oh, this is gonna be like a Japanese movie, like a samurai movie in the 1970s or 80s, if you're old enough where the the lip syncing didn't didn't line up at all.
2: Um, I, I wanted to ask you, just since we're talking about quarterbacks, where do you think that this draft lines up when it comes to quarterbacks? Because obviously nobody, well, only the draft aficionados and true purists really care about the entire draft, but generally most of the people really only care about the quarterbacks. How does this quarterback
3: class, in your opinion, stack up with past years? I think it's a really good one. I think interestingly enough, anytime every year the draft conversation has to start and center around the quarterbacks whether they're good or bad right because the conversation if it's a bad class is oh my god there's no quarterbacks right <laughs> you go back a couple of years when you've got uh you've got kenny pickett going you know barely making it into the first round and then you wait another full round and a half to see any of them come off the board um you know that was the conversation right it, it, and so this year it's kind of the opposite you've got really a three horse race i think at the top i still think caleb williams is going to end up being the number one pick but i I think you can make a strong case for the other two guys i think you can make a strong case for jaden daniels from lsu i think you could probably make a case depending on your offense for drake may from north carolina um and it wouldn't be a shock to see those guys go one two three it really wouldn't whether the teams that are picking there now stay there or not uh anybody who would jump into that range would be going to get one of those guys right so uh, I like the way the top of the, the group stacks up. And then the really intriguing part is the second tier, right? It's when does the fourth guy come off the board? Who is the next one? you got J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. you got two kind of elder statesmen from the Pac-12 and Bo Nix uh, and Michael Penix Jr. You got Spencer Rattler from South Carolina who's kind of had a reemergence after you know the fallout at Oklahoma, had a strong senior bowl. Um, really interesting class. I think that top tier is really, really good. I think that second tier has some intriguing guys. After that, I think it's a free fall. I don't know. If it, if, I, if I didn't spend a pick in the first three rounds on a quarterback, I don't know that I spend one at all.
2: Let me ask you, let me have a follow-up question here about Caleb Williams. And I, I don't know how I would stack up these quarterbacks, to be honest, which I have not done the film work yet. Um, I, I know a lot of people that I respect, uh, like Jaden Daniels and what he brings to the table. But it, it, I have heard whispers that Caleb Williams might not want to end up in Chicago. And
3: is there potential that he can pull an Eli Manning in this situation? I mean, you know, I'll be honest off the bat. I'm not much of a sources type of guy. I'm not like an insider. I don't have those type of connections. It's not something I really ever was interested in doing. I, I'm just a, I'm just a draft. I like watching the film. I like writing about it. So like, I try to gather things like, like you said, you know, and listen to people who are because there's a lot of people who are, you know, connected in those ways. From my perspective, is it possible that that could happen? I think sure, and it's just because of like connecting the dots and like potential, just common sense to me. Do we have a prospect that is talented enough to try to call his own shot, to try to, to try to put himself out there and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to do what I, you know, think I have the leverage to, which again, I'm, I'm pro player all the way. So anytime a player wants to kind of upset the system and say, you know what? I have leverage here. I'm going to use it to, to do what I think is best for my life and my career. I say more power to you. I say, go do it. You know, I don't have a problem with that. So if Caleb Williams, a if that is how he feels and if that is something he would want to do do i think he is the rare in the rare position to have enough leverage to do that i think i think maybe he does so uh, whether that is the case or not again i can't speak to but i think he's talented enough i think even in a class where you have other options at quarterback that might be worthy of going in that range would he be able to successfully kind of make his way to the team he wants i know obviously a lot of people talked about washington now with cliff kingsbury there and him being from that area um obviously makes a ton of sense man and obviously uh provides us a uh, a lot of uh fun fodder to talk about
1: my quarterback question relates to joel clatt the fox uh, college football. Omar's, Omar's already shaking. Omar doesn't get lot. a
2: bone, bro. You just I, never I stop doing it. Period. I'm not
1: going to ignore it, and, and I'm going to preface my question, that both Omar and I dismissed the idea because the Dolphins will not bring any competition for Tua. So having s- put that aside, Joel Klatt, who's a national college football analyst, mocked Michael Penix Jr. to the Dolphins at 21 just not i'm not asking you whether you see the dolphins doing that but is michael penix in that neighborhood in the first round crazy talk uh or could he could some team wind up picking him in that area
3: what's funny is i saw i saw a mock i think it was a cbs mock the other day that had penix at 26 to the bucks and you guys know i'm a, i'm a bucks guy here in the tampa area and so i saw that and i was i did the same thing where i'm just shaking my head and i'm like is, is Baker Mayfield technically a free agent? Sure. Did the Bucks literally just go hire Liam Cohen because he has a relationship with Baker Mayfield and already worked with them. And there is an understanding that he's probably not going to play anywhere else. Absolutely. If we're just talking about the player, this is what's interesting about the evaluation of Michael Penix Jr. is that when you just watch him play football, I think he might be the best downfield vertical passer in this class. I, I think he's got I think he's got the, the, that arrogance almost in a good way to, to say, I can make that throw. I can challenge this defense. I have the playmakers to do it, which we'll kind of get to that in a second. Always willing to give his guys a shot. Go watch how many contested catch situations he was able to say, go get it, Roma Dunze. Go get it, Jalen Polk. Go get it, Jalen McMillan. You know, he took advantage of the fact that he had weapons around him and was like, I trust my guy. I'm going to put it where he can get it. And they made so many big plays down the field I think that what what you want to see is when it's not there. He had so much time in the pocket. I mean, he he's not a terribly mobile guy. Again, you look back at the injury history that he's got, uh, but he he had a ton of time to to throw the ball. He had a ton of time to look around. I don't know if he ends up in a situation in the NFL where that's going to be the case. He's going to be a 24 year old rookie. First four seasons in college football ended with season ending injuries. Yes. And when I, again, I love the player. He's a Tampa guy. He's from Tampa Bay Technical High School where I, I played in that area. So like, I'm always rooting for guys like that and would love to see him come back to Tampa even and like have a reunion with this community. Like, that'd be great. If I'm being honest as an evaluator, again, who's who's been looking at these guys for, for 20, 25 years, I don't see the NFL looking at a quarterback in a class that's fairly deep, who is going to be 24 years old as a rookie, who has that kind of injury history And saying i can spend my first round pick on that guy i don't i can't see that happening and again i'm a huge fan of his game i think he's a great football player those things matter so greatly to the guys making these decisions across all 32 franchises and i think if there's any of those top quarterbacks who doesn't go in the first round my money is on Penix. not because of who he is as a player but because it's just going to be such a hard sell for those teams to, to get an older quarterback with that injury history who i think again has to be a system fit. He's a left-handed, vertical passer who doesn't move around a ton outside the pocket, and that's got to be a specific fit as well.
1: Reminds yeah. me reminds me of somebody. Hmm. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I absolutely knew it was coming. With a better arm. Here's the one question
2: I have for you, Luke, um, regarding quarterbacks, because we all know NFL teams are just guessing. They're, they're just guessing, just like the general public, just like these draft experts. They're literally just rolling the dice and trying to figure out, who, who who's actually good um if that were the case CJ Stroud would have been the number one pick last year and Patrick Mahomes would have been the number one pick in his draft class um do you feel like Penix could potentially give me a percentage chance he could walk away from this draft as the best quarterback in it
3: I mean what how many how many top guys we got five or six you know 20 20 percent uh 15 percent I don't know I think he's got a I think he's got as good a shot as anybody just because, like you said, there are always so many variables. And this is why Like my my overall tenor when it comes to evaluating prospects tends to be more like glass half full. And I do take some grief for that. People think I'm too positive some of the time. But it it's because I feel like so much of why a guy doesn't succeed at the next level regardless of position has so much to do with things that are outside of that guy's control. <laughs> it, it, there's so many variables that beyond their abilities – can contribute to whether or not they succeed and i think quarterback is in a league of its own when it comes to that scheme timing coaching sporting supporting cast all of those things work together or work against you depending on what happens so if, if michael penix ends up in a situation where again vertical downfield offense great offensive line has quality weapons like he was able to have those last two years at washington able to keep him protected in a clean pocket where he's able to stay healthy and all those things work together if he gets that fit, he's absolutely talented enough to be the best quarterback in this class. Um, and I think he's got a good a shot as anybody, but those things all have to come together.
1: I'm going to go on the record here. Just, I'm going to go. What is it with this all the time? My God. See what I have, what I have to deal with? I'm going to go on the record and say I'm not bothered by his age because even even if he's 24, if he's, if he's a stud in the NFL for 10 years, nobody's going to care. Uh that I, I I am with you though about the injury history is a little bit concerning, but the age doesn't bother me so much. Yeah. Uh, now, when we're talking about the Dolphins and Omar, and I agreed on this, it's the the the, the, the idea that taking a quarterback at 21, n- no, not happening. It's a lot more likely they're going to take an offensive lineman. And what the Dolphins need more than anything else is immediate help from the draft, which they have not gotten outside of Devon hn over the past couple of years. So, with that in mind, who is the most NFL ready? interior offensive lineman in your eyes
3: i think there's i think there's two guys and i think they're in a decent range to get one of them depending on how things fall they got a, they got a few teams they got seattle at 16 they got jacksonville at 17 also need very similar guys so it's going to be interesting to see if they could sit at 21 and get the guy but if you want to center it's jackson powers johnson from oregon Jpj, Again, smart nasty dude he's a good athlete um the best thing i learned about jackson powers johnson though is that he was at the senior bowl and if you've ever been to the senior bowl that long walkway that you take from the hotel to like the parking garage or the the convention center where the autograph hunters always sit at like the end right he would start he said that he would autograph things with fake names all week and he said he put like turd ferguson from the old (laughs) snl on there like he was he was so I immediately had to up his grade a little bit when I found out that he was fi- signing fake <laughs> names for autograph hunters. But no, he's he's hell of a player, hell of a prospect. Again, uh, clearly the top center in this draft, I think. Uh, and again, I think he's athletic enough to work in, in that Miami offense. He can he can move, he can call out protections. Um, but the, the guy I really like if you want to guard is Troy Faltanu from Washington who actually played left tackle for them. But I think he's a better guard at the next level. I think he's a little shorter, a little shorter arms. But man, he's powerful. He's athletic um and and again those two guys Faltanu seems to come off the board pretty early in all my mocks because I just don't see him getting past Seattle and Jacksonville but it it feels hard to project the center in the top 20 and I feel like if he's on the board I think he makes a lot of sense for Miami there at 21. Okay timeout I, I gotta call a timeout I usually
2: call a timeout and Luke this is perfect for you because I have the biggest if issues with mock drafts and I know it's a cottage industry it sure. it it's a click generator but mock drafts before free agency which I just think are mind numbing because you have absolutely no idea what a team is going to look like before free agency the dolphins could sign Connor Williams and then not have a need for a center and mm-hmm. and maybe they address Connor Williams and Robert Hunt and not have a need for an interior spot how do you how do you justify doing these mock drafts and i know because it's your a
1: man for it omar that's why you i understand you, that, that but how do
2: you come how do you calculate that
3: i think you know first most simply for me it's because they're just fun they're fun as hell they're fun as hell to do again it's something i've been doing from since i was a kid and the fact that i get paid that's literally my full-time job to do it now is hilarious to me it's not lost on me that this is literally what i get to do i, I every day like if i'm working on a big one and it's late at night and i'm like man i'm tired like there's literally my 14 year old self kicks me in the ass and is like you need to shut up like use is literally what you do for a living you would have killed for this when you were a kid so so it usually gets me but i think big picture it how do you go about doing the work when you know it's to to you know put what you're saying it's kind of meaningless in terms of how it will actually impact the way things will actually look right The way I look at it, and again, I love all the emails I get from readers that are like, this will never happen and that'll never happen. I'm not trying to tell you, especially in January or February or hell in September when I'm doing them that's that are even more crazy, right? I'm not trying to tell you what will happen. I'm trying to match what your team might need with what players might make sense so that my goal by the time we get to the draft in doing all of these mock drafts, even before free agency and all these different things are to ensure that every NFL fan that has read my stuff gets to wherever their team picks and their team picks a player and they're not, they're not upset about it because they have some reason to be excited because that scenario has already been brought to them. Oh, these guys were off the board so this guy fell or we traded up or oh, we had to move down and all these things happen. I want to give them a reason to be excited about every single player I could possibly put in that position so that, I mean, again, growing up as a fan, we watch college football. We get locked on a guy like, man, oh, man, I want the Bucks to have that guy. And then when the draft comes, it's highly unlikely that that one guy is going to be your pick. So you end up disappointed. And I think that's stupid. You should never walk away from the draft anything but hopeful that your team got better, right? So I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but like in terms of how I try to put it together, I try to... I try to talk about the fact that we won't know, you know, the Vikings might re-sign Kirk Cousins. And if they do, they don't need a quarterback at 11. If they don't, now maybe they're reaching for Bo Nix or, or J.J. McCarthy. I try to discuss all those things as if, you know, I'm not trying to insult the reader's intelligence. They know that free agency hasn't come yet. They know these things are going to change. At the same time, everybody wants to know what might happen. And obviously, you know, I'm, yeah. everybody will call them clickbait. I don't, I don't look at it that way. And obviously it's self-serving in a way. But also because we're just having a good time. We're just trying to create present a bunch of different scenarios to where a fan can say, okay, if this happens, I'm okay because this, this, and this. If this doesn't happen, I get it. And if this happens instead, I can understand why that would work. It's all about trying to present as many different scenarios so that by the time you get to the draft, as a fan, as a reader, you have a reason to be excited no matter who your your team takes. This it's, is this is well, where Omar.
1: I- Omar, let me let me chime in here. It's supply and demand. And Omar, does it blow your mind or does it put you in a funk that there literally are mock drafts for the following year, yeah. like a year or two after the, the, the current draft ends? I mean, it, supply and demand, people want it. That's why, that's this, why is,
2: are. this is where it makes sense for me. And this is why a guy like Luke, I'm, I'm very excited about this conversation is because I think the supply and demand impacts your decision in free agency. Because if the demand, if the supply of defensive tackles is substantial enough,
1: I'm talking about the supply and demand for mock drafts. Okay, I'm I'm moving on. I'm moving
2: on. I'm (laughs) talking about the supply and demand. The mock drafts are not important, they're they're not. But understanding,
1: Luke, he didn't mean it. He's just right now, he's just (laughs)
2: understanding. I don't need him to mean it. That's fine with me. Value is in the draft is where i think that the substance is because for instance the dolphins have a complicated decision on Christian Wilkins do you give him the 60 million dollars guaranteed and and or or do you slap him with the franchise tag or do you say hey we can move on it's possibly a a, a defensive tackle there at 21 there is this where is their depth in this draft class that will allow you to say okay we don't have to overpay this position
3: Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think again, one of the things about the work that that people like me do in the is is the vast difference between what we do and what 32 different NFL teams are doing in their in their draft rooms, right? I mean, the the, the kind of macro big picture, this is what this player can do in a vacuum, this is where he might fit is just nowhere near what indiv- with every different team with their scheme and their coaching staff and and the the team culture and, and the type of position they need for the or type of player they need for each position. Those two, those are two very different things. So I, I think when people see, you know, top 300 big board that I put out or that anybody puts out and they say, Oh, he got him at this number and he should have been, it, it just doesn't work that way in those, in those individual rooms, right? That's not how they look at it, but they, they might look at again, the way they evaluate the players. Let's just take Miami the, what they need at defensive tackle, if they don't have Christian Wilkins and they need to replace what he does for their defense, does the draft have enough players in that first, second, third round range to where they can feel confident going into it. Hey, we can get a player team like Baltimore with Justin Matabuike, same type of thing where if we can't afford to pay all that money, can we sit in the first round and say, Hey, is there a comparable player that we feel like we can develop quickly into that role, save us some money, and, and have a younger player there. I I think that's definitely part of it. And and if you're asking which position groups are like that, what the wide receiver group is definitely like that. This might be the best wide receiver class I've ever seen in terms of both elite talent at the top. And then this like massive second tier where there's like 10 or 15 guys that it could be second round picks. I mean, it's, it's really, really ridiculous class. Uh, I like the offensive tackle class at the kind of the top tier or two. I think the interior offensive line class is good. I like the corner class. Not a great year to need a, a a linebacker off the ball. Not a great year to need uh, elite safeties. I think. I think there's some good guys on on, on day two, but but not the the, the Kyle Hamiltons of the world. Um, edge guys. I think there's like a four four to six guys at the top that I really like, and then it's it's really kind of iffy. Um, running backs are weird, man. Running back class. I, we could go two rounds without seeing a running back. Uh, I think, which is interesting. After last year, we saw two guys go in the top 12. If you showed me 10 different lists and the top 10 running backs in this class were all in a different order, I'd be like, eh, OK, that makes sense. Uh, it's that kind of class. It's very, very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it does become part of the conversation for teams going into free agency. How comfortable do we feel with the class at that position? And how does that influence our willingness to meet a said asking price as opposed to thinking we can replace that for cheaper with our top draft pick?
1: With that in mind, if I were to ask you, let's say the Dolphins have to make a choice between re signing Christian Wilkins or losing one of their free agent interior offensive linemen. What is their best bet in terms of getting a player not equivalent to, but close to what they would lose? Would it be a defensive tackle a la Christian Wilkins? would be one of the interior offensive linemen who you previously discussed.
3: I like my chances. First of all, let's talk about who the best player is. The best player, I think, is Christian Wilkins. And I think if you're going to keep somebody, I would start with that's who the best player is. Yes. The money is going to hurt. and But I also, you know, again, at 21, you're talking about maybe no interior guys off the board yet on either side of the ball. I I think if you... Let's talk about who they are. Okay. They, they generally top. go pretty early. But they, but, let, but let's but let's talk about who the who those guys are. We got two, you got Johnny Newton, Shirzan Newton. He, he goes by Johnny. We got that earlier this week. That's what he wants to be called. So Johnny Newton from Illinois, Byron Murphy the second from Texas. Two guys that are explosive upfield guys, but they're not huge. They're undersized. I mean Johnny Newton's sub 300 pounds. Byron Murphy is six one. He's listed as six one, and we all know what that means in this business. He might not even be one. So if you're talking about a guy, th- those types of things could make guys like that stay on the board till 21. Who's the other guy? Tavondre Sweat from Texas. Big, massive, space-eating, rare athlete for the size, but he's still a nose tackle. Is he a three-down guy? Are you going to take a two-down nose tackle in, in the top 15, top, teams, top 20 maybe? I, I don't think so. So when those are the top guys on the board, that's why I say we could see it get to 21 and have no interior defensive line guys off the class. I think there's some players there. I think there's some playmakers, but there are reasons why I could see nobody be like, ah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that just yeah. Again, that's part of the why these mock exercises are kind of helpful for me too, because I go through everything. It helps me learn team needs. It helps me learn what, and again, it starts conversations with fans too. Like you guys know more about the dolphins than I do. It, it's just, For me to assume that I that that that's not possible is stupid. Like so, when when I put a mock draft out, and and if one of you guys were to come to me and say, actually, this doesn't make any sense. This is why the Dolphins do this kind of thing, and they haven't taken a tackle in this long in the first. You know, I I make notes about that stuff all the time because y'all are always going to know more about your team than I do, and that influences whether or not I think a certain team will go a certain way. And so every time I do these. We routinely get into the 20s before an, an interior guy is off the board. And, again, it only takes one team, but that's that seems to be the pattern right now.
1: Although you mentioned – I know the guy, uh, Sweat from Texas, to me, not maybe not at 21, but could be a good equivalent to what Michael Pierce or Travis Jones were for the Ravens, that big space eater in the middle of the defensive line. Again, I'm not sure about 21. The, the
3: reason I would say that, that he could come off the board in that range is, again, I'm a, I'm a Tampa guy, so I'll talk about what I know. The Bucks t- took Vita Vea at 12 back in 2017 or 18. I don't think they regret that pick at all. But, again, you're talking about a guy who has the ability to stay on the field on third down. He can rush the pass or he can push the pocket from the inside. And so – I mean, Todd Bowles is insane anyway. He drops that man into coverage. Like, he drops Vitavia into zone coverage and has him rushing from a two-point stance off the ball. So, um, you know, can Sweat be that kind of athlete? I'm not quite sure. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that you would have to convince yourself, hey, I can keep this guy on the field on third down if you're going to spend a top-20 pick on
2: mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about – you talked about the caliber of wide receivers in this class and yes. and saying that it's one of the deepest classes. You know, I think you're – I think you're exaggerating. You always hear people overselling a a position, especially when it's one of the talented positions. But uh, I'll take your word for it. Is there, I believe that the Dolphins have two good outside receivers. They need a Jarvis Landry slot type. Um, Is there that player in this draft?
3: I think it's possible. Uh, Again, when I speak about the, the overall talent of the class, I look at, does it have an elite guy at the top? This one has three in any other draft class, most other draft classes. If you had just Marvin Harrison jr. Or just Roma Dunze or just Malik neighbors, any class, those guys are the easy number one. Most of the time, they're all three in this group. So whoever the third guy is off the board, you're getting that type of talent as the third receiver off the board. I think they're all top 10 players overall in this draft. After that, I think there's a decent gap, but once you start that second tier, I mean there's again maybe 10 or 15 guys that could go in the in the from 10 to the end of the second round and I'd be I'd be fine with that. I'd get it. And to your point, it's because there's there's something for everybody. If you want size and speed, you go get Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. You want size and physicality at the catch point, you go get Keon Coleman from Florida State. If you want that that slot guy who can just create separation even though he doesn't have elite speed, Ladd McConkey from Georgia might be that guy. Again, not a guy who's who's physically imposing not a guy who has elite speed but man his understanding of route concepts how to set up defenders how to get into their blind spots and make them look silly uh, you know just by by the technique that he uses and the understanding of what defenses are trying to do he's a guy that i think probably comes off the board earlier than the dolphins would want to take a wide receiver um but but that's that's the interesting one another one would be malachi corley from western kentucky um who is short but not small? He's 5'11, but he's built that like Debo Samuel 210 and just nasty dude after the catch, man. He can create separation when he yeah. gets the ball in his hands. I heard Steve he's- Smith praising him, and I'm a big fan of Steve Smith's. Yep. That yep. Samuel. That's what, but that's that mentality. He likes guys that play with that mentality that are physical when, even when the ball's okay. not coming their way, the guys that just receivers are are guys that defenders normally want to tackle so when you have a receiver that guys are like i don't want to tackle that guy it is the guy like steve smith liking uh malachi corley doesn't surprise me at all he's that type of dude after the catch. uh well then it's possible the dolphins could need
1: a wide receiver near the top like pr- pretty early if we are to believe this hypothetical trade that mike tannenbaum who omar and i really like on television but uh, he he threw out Jalen Waddle for Trent McDuffie, and I'm the Dolphins. I'm like, yes, please, yes. Uh, I I see absolutely. This is this is the chance that Kansas City would agree to that. But anyway, uh, wanted that thrown that aside.
3: He he I also think, I think had the Giants trading up to number one and yes. getting up like five picks and Kavon Thibodeau with mm-hmm. like I just wow. No offense, Mike. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, no, like yeah. I said, <laughs> l-
1: l- love Mike, but but yeah, K- KC's not trading Trent McDuffie for Jalen Waddle. Wanted to get your thoughts, not on a prospect from this year, but from the last year, because we still don't know what he's going to be in the NFL, and that would be Cam Smith. What were your thoughts on him coming out of South Carolina? And for Dolphin fans who saw him basically ride the pine uh, when the team was on defense this year, give give him some reason for hope.
3: Yeah. I mean, I saw a well-rounded guy. I think anytime you have a guy who's comfortable in both man and zone, he's, he's willing to come in and, and play and run support, which again is something that for corners, that's, that's something I immediately make a note of if I'm ever watching film. How does this guy react to the run game? Is he willing to stick his head in and make tackles? Is he a passive tackler who just kind of wants to show up to the pile at the end and say he was part of it? that you 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 gain points or lose points with me very quickly when i watch corners and i see how they react to the run game in front of them and and how they try to shed blocks are you trying to are you trying to just kind of stay blocked so you don't have to get into the action or are you trying to fight through and actually make a tackle and I, i i cam smith checked all those boxes for me uh again not the biggest guy doesn't have the longest arms um but again a guy that was tested in the sec against some really talented receivers as well so I can't speak to to last year's you know situation and why he wasn't on the field as much, which again again speaks to the difference in in the way the media the way we try to do this work. There's so much that I'm not privy to. I'm not privy to interviews and behind the scenes stuff and whiteboard work and even some of the medical evaluation. We don't don't even find out the doghouse. Oh jeez, man, I can't I can't imagine. I hope I never find out. uh, To be honest, so no, I I think Cam Smith, the prospect, plenty of talent. Definitely, I think I I think I had him as a top fifty guy. Um, but yeah, hopefully gets more of an opportunity, uh, uh with the new staff there. Where, 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 do you think that this cornerback class
2: stacks up? Would you, would you, how many first round cornerbacks do you have in mind? Because really the dolphins, they've got Jalen Ramsey, but that's about it at cornerback. If, unless you consider Cater Kohu a, a legitimate starter, um, and more than likely they're going to move on from X Howard. So where is this cornerback class in terms of
3: top 50 prospects? top 50 i think it's really really good uh, top 10 nobody uh I, I think that's where the interesting part is it's similar to the when i said the running back class you can kind of stack those first 10 guys in any order uh apologies in advance i think the lawn guys are here so if you hear a leaf blower that's what's going on um but the uh the corner class it, it, it's really like the top five guys for me there's there's reason you could make a strong case again if one of these five guys, on Arnold or Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama, I like both of those guys. I like Arnold a little bit better right now. Um, Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Cooper DeJean from, uh, from Iowa is an interesting guy in, in that he probably ends up at safety, but if I'm drafted, I think he's a good enough athlete. I want to see if he can, he can stay outside. He can play in the slot, I know, uh, but see if he can stay outside. Um, but just a, a guy you can move around. Great athlete, versatile guy. You can, you can do so many things with him. to to take advantage of the versatility and the athleticism. I think he really, that's his trump card in this corner class. Uh, And then Quinion Mitchell, who may not be a household name at the moment out of Toledo, but I mean, huge production, put up huge numbers. And then obviously everybody wants to say, oh, what about the level of competition? He might've been the best player at the senior bowl, regardless of position from day one, one one-on-ones. And we know how stupid those one-on-ones for defenders, right? Those one-on-one drills always favor the offensive player. And, and to, to see the way he was able to play in those one-on-one situations against whoever lined up for him. Power five guys all day long. Yon Mitchell is the guy, again, physical tools. The film is there. The production is there. If any of those five guys are, are the first quarter off the board, I understand there's some solid day two guys as well. But they're just there is no Jalen Ramsey in this class. There is no top five, top ten type of guy at all.
1: I got another one looking back for you. Did you or did you not like – and how, or how much did you like or not Channing Tindall coming out of Georgia?
2: Why are you torturing this man and torturing Dolphin fans? I know.
3: Well, Channing Kendall was, was a a rough evaluation because incredible athlete and just didn't play a lot of football at Georgia. He wasn't on the field a lot. That was one of the most loaded defenses in college football. And he just didn't have a ton of snaps. And so, you know, I'm, it's hard to project whether you're talking about, you know, Trayvon Walker is the number one pick a couple years ago guys that are phenomenal athletes, but you don't know how they are as a full football player, as a full-time starter yet. That is a really tough evaluation to make moving to the next level. So that's, that's kind of how I felt about Channing Tindall. Is obviously, there's physical tools there, but you know, especially after watching five years of Devin White at linebacker for Tampa Bay, watching a guy who's a phenomenal athlete, but still four or five years into his career, trying to put together the football player part of it, that's Ooh. that's that's what happens. I'll take him off your hands if you don't want him. Um, I mean, he, he won't be back in Tampa. I, I don't I don't expect him to be back at all. So you don't think so? No, not at all. I would I'd put I'd put money on that, and I don't do that often. Oh wow, that's a that's an interesting and that's, and that's kind of saying something. You know, Todd Bowles and, and Devin White have a very tight relationship. They are very close. Todd Bowles went to bat for him on more than one occasion over the last few years, and it's not even that I don't think he's had moment. That Todd, if Devin White had spent four or five years being the player he was for that four week playoff run in 2020 2021 when they won the super bowl he he was one of the best linebackers i've ever seen for those four weeks and the bucks have a ring largely because of the way he played in that playoff run he he was never that player at any other time in his career and and the upside is still there he's still a phenomenal athlete you can you can make a highlight reel of his and say this is the guy this is this is the prototype the problem is there's still when you're in year four or five and you're still having the same mental issues and, and lapses and coverage and assignments that you were having as a rookie. That's the kind of stuff where I'm like, I, I, that's gotta be some other team's issue to fix. I can't pay you a hundred million dollars over five years, which I think is what he wanted. He wanted Roquan Smith money from what I understand. Again, I'm not much of an insider. The few sources I do have are probably in that building. Um, but if if he wanted to be one of the highest paid linebackers in football over four or five years, I just never thought the bucks. The bucks needed to see that this year, and there were moments of it. He played really well against Jacksonville. He's he's had some moments, but it's never been consistent enough to where I feel like they Do were ever think comfortable giving him. You're
2: not giving him a fair shake because you're watching him play next to Levante David, who is a very polished player.
3: Maybe, and again, I'm I'm the I'm the leader of the levante david is a hall of famer fan club so i i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily put that i think i would put it the other way which is how did you spend five years playing next to this guy and not get any not get much better from it an, from an uh read and react uh a that's my guy i'm not going to chase the quarterback and leave tyler augs to run 75 yards down the field on third and four it, i mean those are the moments where when that's still happening in your fifth year option year where they didn't give you the extension this is your audition this is you being able to stick it to them and say you should have given me the money and it still didn't happen this year that's what's frustrating to me is is you did spend five years next to that guy and you still have too many rookie moments instead of becoming more like the veteran type of guy that you probably should be at this point in your career let me. Uh, let me. I love on. how this turned into the Devin White
2: show. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I, it, it, hey, I didn't expect him to be let free, but if he's going to be let free, I, I'm definitely. You know, let my, free I, do, I do not think he. he no, I know he's a free though. agent, but I, I didn't. I thought maybe they would put the franchise tag on him. Okay, if they didn't do that, they tried to lock him up. But hey, that's um, they'll fine tag they'll tag Winfield.
3: It. They'll tag Winfield if they can't get a big deal with him done. But he Winfield's not going anywhere anytime soon. But they'll tag him if they have to. Where
2: where, where is this draft class? Because we've got Jerome Baker here, who's probably going to be shaken down if not released. Um, where is this draft class when it comes to inside
3: linebacker talent? Are there any Campbells uh. in this draft? No, no, I don't, I don't see it. I think obviously the name that stands out to everybody is Jeremiah Trotter jr. Because his dad was a pro bowl linebacker and he's a, he's a damn good player in his own right. I I don't think there's a first round inside linebacker in this draft. Um, I think there's a lot of guys I would, I would like to have on day two. Uh, I think Trotters one of them. Edger and Cooper from Texas A&M is a great player. Um, you got junior Colson from Michigan. You got, uh, Cedric Gray from North Carolina who had a great week at the senior bowl. Um, Interesting guy is going to be Peyton Wilson from North Carolina State. He's basically the Michael Penix Jr. of the defensive prospects this year where you watch the film and you're like, damn, this guy's the best player on the field most of the time. Again, guy's going to be 24. He's had injury issues almost every single year. He's been in college, so you wonder about the durability. Uh, but as a football player, Peyton Wilson is easily one of the best linebackers in this draft. Um we got Tyrese Knight from UTEP is a, is a kind of a mid to later round guy that I really, really like An older, more experienced prospect had that extra couple of years of eligibility. Um, but I like him quite a bit as well. It's it, that's where the, the value will be in the linebacker class. It won't be early. It'll be guys that in the third, late third, early fourth round, you can probably get the same caliber of player that you're getting. If you're taking the first one off the board in the second,
1: here's another question related to the inside linebackers, not draft but we mentioned Devin White, Levante David also is a free agent. He's not going to get tagged because they're going to tag Antoine Winfield, as you said. He's also from Miami. So my question to you is how much football does he have left? Does he still look like
3: he could play? Levante David, it's it should be physically impossible to play as well as Levante David did last year at 33 years old. I, I mean, it's just the way his his body plays like he's 26 and his mind plays like he is been in the league for 12 years i mean just go i mean again the production's there but if you get a chance to really just go watch film and 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 isolate levante david and watch the way he played last year that did not look like a guy at the end of his uh, end of his career it did not look like a guy that was hanging on at the end of of a of a hall of fame career but you could tell he's a step behind he wasn't at all ever like he still looked like the same guy that, that we saw in his prime at 26 27 years old so for me if it from Levante's perspective, I, I really have a hard time thinking that if he wants to keep playing, which again, he is still playing at a very high level, I have a hard time believing it'll be anywhere else but Tampa. You mentioned the the, the connection to Miami, which maybe there's something there. I feel the same way about Mike Evans. I, I don't think Mike Evans goes anywhere, but if he does, I think it would be to Houston because he's from Galveston. He still loves his hometown, spends a yeah. lot of time there and does a lot of stuff in the community there. So if a team like Houston were to throw him 30 million a year over two to three years, which they can afford to do until those other contracts come up. Maybe that's what gets Evans to go somewhere else. I could see maybe that, maybe it's the case for Levante. If they, if the, if the dolphins were to give him something that would be, you know, well beyond what the bucks would give him, which again, they have shot shot at him twice. And then, then yeah, I I think if that ship has sailed in terms of trying to play the hometown discount thing, I, I think we see if Levante wants to keep playing, which I hope he does, because again, he's still balling. I think he comes back on another one. I think he comes back to Tampa on his one-year deal until he doesn't want to. Uh, I think that's the way it goes for him. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, I want to follow up with one more. You 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 talked about the safety class and not really being a big fan of it. Um, Where are you with Cam Kitchens and what did you see from him at the Senior Bowl?
3: So the senior class is again very much like the linebacker class, where I don't think there's a first-round guy. But there's a lot of day two guys that i really really like cam is one of them he's safety 1a 1b for me in this class i really like tyler newbin from minnesota um i know some people who like james williams better than cam kitchens depending on what you need and if you want that kind of more bigger hybrid linebacker type of guy Um, but kitchens to me again i think is the best blend of everything you need from a safety i think he's big and tough enough to come down in the box if you need him to I think he's got the range. He's got the athleticism, the ball skills, the instincts, all the other buzzwords, right, to, to survive in single high because usually you have to have one or the other. You're either tough and physical enough to stay in the box or you've got the fluidity to flip your hips and, and the range and the instincts to not get lost if, if you have to play single high, right? So I think he is good enough at, at just about everything to where no matter what your team needs from a safety – they can they can bring him in and be confident that he's going to fill that role. And so that's that's why I think he could be the first safety off the board. That that will come down to fit as well if a team really wants a, a ball hawk center fielder and doesn't need the the in-the-box physicality. I could see Javon Bullard from Georgia or, or Kalen Bullock from USC uh, being the first safety off the board. But Tyler Newbin and, and Cam Kitchens, I think, are the most complete safeties in this draft.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Luke, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you breaking down the draft for us. I'm sure you were looking forward to more work for you from the uh, senior, from not the Senior Bowl, from the NFL Combine. Um, how productive is that for you outside of the interviews?
3: You know, the Combine, and I feel this way about the Senior Bowl too. Is that the Combine should always it's always a piece of the puzzle, but it should always put shoe back to the film, whether good or bad. If a guy pleasantly surprises you you should go back and find out why. If the guy disappoints you, you should go back and find out why you thought, why you expected something else, right? Because, you know, all the cliches, right? The underwear Olympics, it's different. You're not going out there to play football. You're going out there to show very specific traits and very specific situations. You have to make sure that you see it translate on the football field or it just it just won't matter when the pads go on. So if you if you see a guy who runs faster or slower, you see a guy who moves differently than you saw on film to the point where you're, again, surprised in one direction or the other. It should always point you back to the tape. Go back and look at it again and say, hey, did I miss something? Is this just something where when the pads aren't on, it looks a certain way, and when the pads are on, it, it, looks, it looks differently? So that's really what the combine is about. It, it, it's, it fills in some important information. It is not as important as I think a lot of people think it is or maybe should be. At the end of the day, it's all about the football, and really the most important stuff there happens in the places where the media really can't see, and we don't find that out until after the draft. <laughs> he's talking about the tampering. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> and the interview. Oh, yeah. Unless you're Bruce Arians, just go ahead and say it. Tom Brady. I want Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Bruce.
2: <laughs> all right well we thank you for your time luke um luke uh, how do they find your work draft wise i know you do athlon sports uh the magazine the draft guide which is one of my favorite guides um do you know when it's coming out i usually yeah get yeah the-
3: um we've got i've actually you want to see it oh yeah you got, oh, is you that, where, where's the camera where's it? there you there go it, there <laughs> it is i have this is my my lovely you, advance you got, you got pretty, you, you're, 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 it's blended into your face yes. Into my face you, you, got the cream in the background. you
1: got the creamsicle buccaneers in the back yeah no.
3: it doesn't C- want to it it doesn't exist maybe they put something on it to be like no it's not out yet you. you can't show <laughs> no no I, I believe it hits newsstands on the 28th but i believe you can also order it off the website right now i think that's live so uh if you head over to athlonsports.com you should be able to get it live i'm I'm not going to lie, man. I've been reading this magazine since I was a kid. And so to be able to contribute so much to it this time, I'm I'm literally like a kid in a candy store, man. I'm so I'm proud of the work we put into it, but I'm literally just a little kid that's like, oh, my God, I got to do this like this is so cool. So um, if you're like me and you grew up loving these magazines, loving physical print media that you can hold in your hands and flip through the pages, that's important to a guy like me who grew up working at newspapers and, and reading these magazines. And so. Uh, the only way we get to keep making them is if people keep buying them so please go out and buy this magazine buy this draft guide. we put so much work into it uh it was Absolutely. really a lot of fun uh but yeah online obviously athlonsports.com si.com slash nfl slash draft i do all the stuff for the foundation site there every now and then i do some draft content for the big si.com site as well uh but yeah man get out there and uh, go to your bookstore tell them tell them you want that athlon draft guide man make sure we can keep making these all right. Well, we appreciate you, okay. and then we will be back tomorrow on the All
2: Dolphins uh, podcast. Um, we are going to have another Win Podcast Unite, which features Chris Perkins and Adam Beasley. Um, so, uh, both guys with writing backgrounds show you guys how real journalists handle these podcast discussions. Was that insulting? Did I did I cross a the line there?
1: Yeah, you didn't need to go there, but okay, you did.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I went there. All right. Well, we appreciate, Luke, we appreciate nice you, We appreciate you, Luke. Thank you again. And My pleasure, Omar. fellas. All right. Visit alldolphins.com for the latest news, analysis, and columns, and it's all free. You can find Omar Kelly and Alan Poupard on the All Dolphins podcast discussing South Florida's NFL team on YouTube and anywhere you find your audio podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share so you stay in the know.